0: The good thing about um, doing a podcast when the basketball team is is very much on the wrong side of the bubble is that the topics are kind of endless, really, you know, like we could talk about anything tonight and, you know, it, it would work. We could we could talk about, you know, where Dave is. I don't know. everyone to the capscorner.com podcast capscorner.com your source for game sports i am brad franklin publisher of capscorner.com coming to you live from the flakes of franklin State's in the west end of richmond where it is wednesday march the 2nd um, march is here um, we sleep in may or whatever whatever the joke is um, when you cover or pull for uh, a team that is on the wrong side of the bubble unfortunately um, march takes on a very different sort of meaning Cavaliers obviously are coming off of um you know two really rough losses first uh to Duke 65 61 um you know in a game that I thought you know man they were right there in spots um I thought that that tie up late was was kind of quick or, or on a quick whistle um and then you know hey I mean the Griffin kid just you know he just he just really showed up when it, when it mattered, and then they lose Florida State sixty four sixty three on a last second, um, gosh what was it thirty how many feet we think it was it was a ways uh, for Matt Cleveland. I'd say it was like
1: a forty footer. Yeah, thirty five okay. footer.
0: I was thinking I was thinking thirty five, um, on the catch. I mean probably one of the most impressive shots I've ever seen hit. Um, so anyway, we'll get into sort of all of that and and so much more before we get started. Let's go around and introduce everybody first. Up in uh, Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber's on the program. How's it going, my dude?
1: It's good. Um, ACC tournaments next week, so um, there's only one thing to say, and that's bring us the heart of ACC basketball.
2: Um, like <laughs> <laughs> my inner mic break
1: that I, was, I, I see every single commercial break. Yeah. Um, when I'm watching it on YouTube TV, I don't know if it's like that on like cable, but bring us the heart of ACC basketball Add Justin underscore Ferber
0: on Twitter. It it is pretty prevalent, but not quite that prevalent on uh, terrestrial. Well, you,
1: the first thing is just like Coach K, like a message for our fans. A message like for great. our fans. Great. Oh,
0: <laughs> you know we should do, and later in the show we should we should talk about our favorite Coach K moments. First, uh, manager Damon Dillman in Charles was also on the program. How's it going, my friend?
2: My connection is unstable.
0: Aren't? Isn't it for all of us
2: on some level? Isn't that the truth?
1: UVA basketball's connection is unstable,
2: wouldn't you say? Oh, wow. That's a segue. At Damon Dillman. I'm not going to interrupt that segue.
0: (laughs) Cavs quarter also under Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional Woody banter. Um, All right. I I don't want to talk too much about – I mean, we don't need to kick people in the stomach, right? Um, Everybody everybody saw it. Um, it Just a – I mean, just a really impressive – I mean, the pass in and of itself I, I, I've i watched Shedrick on that jump And he, I mean, man He's not far from from timing that thing Yeah Pretty well I didn't
1: see that live I was like, oh, he wasn't even close But when you yeah, sent when that I, picture I was like, oh, wow like Yeah, the ball is
0: And he was And he would Yeah, It's it was You from had the perfect point, angle, though Yeah, I was going to say yeah. From our vantage point It was pretty perfect But, I mean, listen That Prieto kid Put that thing on a frozen rope, man. That was a like, perfect pass. I mean, it could not have been more perfect. Now, granted, Cleveland is a hell of an athlete. So, you know, when you're throwing the ball, I don't care what kind of ball it is, when you're throwing it to a dude uh, that far, he can make you look pretty good. That thing was a rope, and he caught it. And, and I mean, I, I don't blame uh, Cousin Armand for not jumping because you don't want to put them in a position where they're going to the line with yeah. no time on the clock to win Nah, the game. he did the
1: right thing. And also, like, he was coming off of a screen. so yeah. like yeah, kinda- yeah. I
0: mean... But I thought that you know for for him to to come down and hit that shot he hit to put them ahead, you it looks like they're gonna win it, you know, and we how many times have we seen Virginia be in a situation like that where there's one or two seconds and the team gets a shot off hell, tech had like three or four um in the mm-hmm. win at home, and Duke had one. yeah, yeah we exactly. forget
1: about it, but they had one.
0: Yeah. yeah, so it's just it's just interesting to me the way. Um, you know, all that sort of worked out. It's obviously, a, a, just a resume-killing loss for the Cavaliers, despite Florida State actually doing pretty well tonight. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to, like I said, I don't want to get into the, the, the sort of post-mortem of it all, uh, other than to say that uh, I thought, you know, certainly a, a rough senior night for Kihei Clark, 3 of 16 from the floor, 7 points, 6 assists, um, for, played all 40 minutes. Um, wasn't obviously the way he wanted to go out in what I guess conceivably might not have been his actual last game at JPJ but certainly the last regular season game he'll play there. Yeah. In um, a weird
1: twist, it's like if you play badly, you get more home games. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, Jaden Gardner goes for 21. Franklin had 13. Um, the story for me though was you know you kind of let Florida State hang around, and even though they don't have Mills, they don't have um, Osborne. That's a really talented team And in some ways a really bad matchup For UVA um, I thought that their ability to sort of take Virginia's um, Post out of the game was You know basically Gardner was having to Sort of create his own space against dudes Who were significantly longer than him um, Shedrick scores two points Kafaro um, uh, had Seven but realistically like You know you look at it Virginia got Bested in the paint Um you know, they were uh, out-rebounded. It, it was not It was not like a bloodbath by any stretch, but certainly a game that Virginia should have been in a better position to close. Um, and, hell, Florida State hit its last eight shots in a row. Um, and if you, you let a team hang around and they, they, they do that, you're going to be in some pain. Uh, coming out of it, Ferber, give me some, some general takeaways.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit on the thing that stuck with me is the – and I think Damon was the one who pointed this out, like how many shots they made in a row – after the game. And I was like, man, if they just got one of those stops, they won, you know, that's all just one. Um, And they just couldn't do it. And I think that kind of speaks to this team's like not, you know, they're just not on the level of a lot of other UVA teams when on the defensive end. Um, And we've seen that throughout the year, they've had moments where they've looked really good on that end, but usually not even a full game. It's kind of just like ebbs and flows where they can, they can defend well. And, you know, like you think about like that first half in Blacksburg, like they did pretty well in the second half, they didn't do so well. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, Miami game, the opposite. You know, they did well in the second half. Um, there were certainly moments in the Duke game on on Wednesday, which was a huge game. And I thought they actually played pretty well in that game for most of the way, considering oh, they didn't play that well, but they they played well enough to be in the game. Um Duke was kind of all over the place. They had some really good moments and some really bad moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the Florida State loss, um, sort of puts in back into perspective what this team is right so like when they beat duke the first time it was kind of like all right now they're like right on the bubble and and you know they've earned that um but they never they were never really like i think they've shown improvement throughout the season but they're not really like a different team than what we saw like a month or two ago i don't think they're just better they're like a slightly better version of the same team um you know they kind of figured out what works for them a little better on the offensive end i would say but like you know, they still struggle sometimes to get stops. They still have lapses where they go like long periods of time without scoring. They still can't shoot. Um, you know, their bigs like come and go. Um, sometimes they look competent, sometimes they look completely like out of sorts. Um, Duke, I thought, had a really good game plan on Wednesday, like taking them out of the game after they had a good game in the first meeting. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that Reese Beekman's evolution has been sort of the highlight of the season. Um, as well as Jaden Gardner's. I think he, he on the offensive end, he showed flashes in the first half of the season, but he's really been a lot more consistent on both ends in the second half. Um, he's really like become a, a really solid, maybe all ACC player um, come next week. So, I, I mean, I think that this, this week sort of was a reality check of like what this team is. Um, most, bubble, and, and it's a reminder to UVA fans that most bubble teams are kind of what UVA is like more teams play their way out than play their way in late in the season. Um, and you know your inconsistency is the reason you're on the bubble in the first place. Um, teams that are really good usually aren't on the bubble. So, um, yeah, I mean they just they had opportunities to at least give themselves a chance to be in the at-large conversation coming Selection Sunday, and they right. and they squandered those with a with a tough lo- like but understandable loss against Duke, and then an inexcusable loss to a Florida State team that has some athleticism, but like they're down a bunch of dudes. And you're on your home floor And you had like a nine point lead In the last few minutes of the game So I mean yeah. there's no excuse for that
0: Yeah I, I think that in the in the final analysis Which again we, we can do a post-mortem and stuff Once there's you know God that sounds just dark I was going to say once the body is, is dead um, That's just horrible sorry um, we, can, we can get to that once the season is concluded And all that fun stuff But the thing that I keep thinking about um, Damon is that when you've lost to Navy and you've lost to James Madison, um, teams that are currently at Kempom, one seventy four and two thirty four respectively, you, you can't you can't do what Virginia did, which was f- you know for the better part of January it was win one lose one, or yeah win one lose one win one lose one, you can't do what they did. You can't lose to NC State. You can't you, you can't get shellacked at home. Uh, excuse me, uh, in Chapel Hill. You can't you can't do a lot of what Virginia did the close games, you know, were a gift and a curse for them this season. Um, you know, you just and you, I think in the in the bottom line is is that you knew what you needed to do. You you got the win at Duke that put you back squarely on the bubble. Um, you held on against Georgia Tech. Even though the, the, you lost to Tech, that didn't ruin them, right? They got that win in in Miami. Um, the Duke game would have. I think if they win that game, they still have to finish. You know, I think they still have to win Louisville and and Florida State to to make it comfortably. But that would have put them there. Ferber's point. Yeah, about even this if is they what, lost the
1: Florida State, they'd probably be like next four out right now. Like right. you're not totally done. You know. Right.
0: Right. But I think Ferber's point just a second ago about you know this is what life is like if you're a bubble team. That's a that's extremely well taken because. If you look at this Virginia team, and what we talked about on this podcast all season long, right, is that this was one, not vintage Virginia, currently Ken Palm 83rd in defensive efficiency, um, uh-huh. you know, which is just, you know, for their purposes is a struggle bus. Now, they have had moments in the in the latter half of the ACC slate where they've, they've felt more like themselves. But I think ultimately that lack of consistency or the consistent inconsistency if you if you want to be specific about it, like that is the thing that put them on the bubble, and and now has pushed them off the bubble. Right? It's not it's not necessarily that they had a couple bad games. Right? They didn't lose to Navy and James Madison because they had just some bad nights. They lost to Navy and James Madison for the same reasons that they lost to NC State for the same reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like they couldn't pull close games, and even the wins, some of the wins were too close for comfort. Uh, nights when they should have won, you know, more convincingly. Um, you know, you can't, you can't lose by 17 to Clemson, right. You can't, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a thing that those of us who follow or pull for Virginia are just not used to seeing. And so what's interesting is like, I was planning to have Patrick Stevens come on, you know, and talk about the bubble. And I thought, man, when is the last time we talked about the bubble and had, you know, a, normally it's a, what seed are they going to be? Right. What, what region are they going to? And now it's like, oh, they're not we're not even talking about them all in the bubble. They got to play their way there in the ACC tournament. In terms of developments for the season, Damon, where would you have had Virginia has to win the ACC tournament in order to make the NCAA's? Would like as you look back on the season, is that a thing that sort of materialized for you slowly or was that a place you saw, you know, all the way back November the 9th when they lost to Navy? I
2: don't know if it goes back that far, but I mean like you were, like the way Ferber talked about this is what life is like on the bubble. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that UVA had only been on the bubble for the last couple of weeks. Prior to that win at Duke in early February, they weren't even in the conversations for the bubble. Like you said, they lost the game to Navy. They lost the game at JMU. And then they lost the game at home to Clemson. They spent all of January alternating win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. During that stretch in January, nobody was talking about the bubble. That wasn't even in the conversation. It had just been accepted at that point that this team wasn't going to the NCAA tournament. That, that was just the reality of the situation. And then they won that game at home against Miami and turned around two days later. And they 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 the, nobody, and I mean, we talked about it on the show. Um, we talked about it here right afterward. Nobody expected them to go down there to Duke and win and they win that game. And that changed that changed the entire narrative around this season, changing the entire narrative around uh, the postseason and the bubble. All of a sudden that's when Ferber and I both started crunching all the numbers and, and getting out the abacus and trying to figure all this out and see, all right, how can they make this happen? And they were still, that conversation was still very much in play. Even like you said, after they lost the uh, the game in Blacksburg, Uh, had they won that one things might have been a little bit different uh, even coming off the loss to Duke but um, yeah it's just there you have to keep in mind that what's today today is the second a month ago February 2nd we weren't even talking about this stuff because they hadn't won at Duke yet they hadn't uh, they hadn't even won the game at home against Miami yet so this is all just in the course of the last month that this entire conversation changed but then I think Ferber put it really well. The reality of the entire situation kind of set in, in the uh, down the stretch there against Florida state and, and some of the flaws that have have plagued this team at various points throughout the year, kind of reared their ugly head again at the worst possible moment in a game that they absolutely could not lose. But yeah, I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we were first starting to have this conversation about the bubble, I had, uh, I had mentioned that I was going through the schedule and kind of looking back and saying, if you could go back and replay one of these games right now, uh, given the way the team w- is playing in then February, now March, as opposed to whenever it was they lost that game, which one would you choose? And the problem is now there are just too many of those games. Uh, that NC State loss has progressively gotten worse uh, as the season has gone on. They, lo- I think they lost six in a row right after beating UVA in that game. That Clemson yeah. loss at home has gotten progressively worse as the season has gone on and those two losses in addition to losing at home to navy in addition to losing at jmu just drag things down so deeply and yeah so now here we are especially and the loss to florida state kind of the same thing i think if you if somebody had said in october all right they're going to lose they're not going to lose back-to-back games all year until they're going to lose those two games in February to Duke and um, Florida state. I think people would be like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. But then the way things played out with Florida state, it it became worse and worse of a loss as well. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of things have kind of eroded. And, and, and to your point about like, like I have people talk all the time. It's I'm so tired of hearing about quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three. And it's like, well, that's because we never really had to talk about this stuff before, because that's the stuff that you worry about when you're trying to get into the NCAA tournament and build a resume when you're on the bubble. And like you guys said before, UVA never had to worry about that. The concerns now are always what seed are they going to be? Which number one seed are they going to be? This, these conversations, it's been a long time since when 12, 2012, 13, that we've even been having these bubble conversations around this UVA program. So, but but, like, yeah, um, and, and and there's a certain sort of uh, imagery that comes with Cleveland hitting that shot to just kind of ultimately pop the bubble once and for all. Uh, but, yeah, here we are.
1: And I think, like, just to add to that, the shot, you know, that that might be sort of unlucky, but the way they got to the shot wasn't. Like, for sure. They let Florida State back in that game by just continuously, <laughs> like, not scoring, and then I think they missed some free throws in there. Um, and they just kept giving up a lot of Florida state's scores were at the rim. You know, they were just like letting guys get to the rim. Um, and they let them back in it multiple times. Cause they had a pretty big lead early. Right. And then Florida state got back into it. Yep. Um, and they, you know, they had multiple chances to bury a team that was under, you know, under man playing with a walk on like the whole game. Um, and I also would say like, this might sound kind of harsh, but I don't really think their loss to Florida state was like super out of character um for this team like it was a bad loss and and if you look at like they beat Miami and Duke but like yeah like those were good wins but um ultimately like when's the last time UVA and I'm really asking cuz I don't know when's the last time UVA played a game this year even against a bad ACC team where they were comfortably ahead and like there were no worry moments in the second half Louisville yeah, I was like maybe, but even that game, Louisville got back yeah, that like game two. Yeah, that got
2: interesting, and that, yeah. yeah, that's true.
1: And I think UVA just kind of handled it in the second half, but it did get interesting for a little bit there. And even like, uh, yeah, like Georgia like Tech, four, I think Georgia Tech cut it to like one or something, you know, and they're terrible. Um, and that the was game, a JPJ. I was thinking like BC maybe at Clemson. Yeah, that that was a close game like throughout, and UVA just kind of pulled away late. Um, like, like I was thinking like BC at home maybe. Um, I think they won by, like, 15. But, yeah, I mean, like, I don't really remember that game. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah well, even when they went to Pit I mean, that game was, like, not completely out of hand. Like um, So I think, like, you know, they've played with fire, and I think Tony mentioned this after the game, like, a few times. And if you look at, like, what happened to them in the Duke game and what happened to them in the Florida State game, UVA won one of those games, which ended up being a huge win for them, and then they lost this one. But ultimately, like you can't really say they were lucky or unlucky <laughs> to split those games. Um, they made a lot of crucial plays at the end of that Duke game, but like they could have just as easily lost. I mean, what's Reese three-point percentage for the season? <laughs> like, what were the chances he was going to make that?
2: Um, and, and then also the way they, they shot that night.
1: And Brad, Brad mentioned a quick tie-up in the Florida State game, which I agree with. But UVA also got on the good end of a quick tie-up in the Duke game um, at the end. So I mean, like. Yeah, it just, it is what it is. I'm not taking that win away from them, but like, um, you know, that's what happens when you play games like this all the time. And that's why if you look at what they were doing two years ago, and I was to the person saying this, a lot of people disagreed with me. I was like, this team is like, they're eking by, and you got to give them credit for closing out the games. But a lot of these games, they're closing out because the other team just isn't making plays. Like, you know, they're, they're kind of getting lucky in some of these games And now it's like more the regression back towards how that these things work. Um, Yeah. So
0: one thing I think was interesting as the season wore on was, you know, early on we were very skeptical of how much time Virginia was playing uh, Clark Beekman and Franklin together, and and I think to some extent, for lack of a better description, it's it's sort of PTSD, right, in the sense that like, in the years past. You can't have you can't have too many non shooters together, and Kie Clark over the course of the season, despite you know what was an obviously a really rough night, he was over four from three, three of sixteen, like I said from the floor in the on senior night. But I mean, look, that Duke game obviously is a you know is he really going to come out there and hit six first half three pointers again? Probably not. But I mean, the kid showed this season that he was more. Than just a you know a a, a pass first point guard, um, he probably drove it a little bit too much, or at least drove it with the intent to finish uh, a little too much for my taste against Florida State. But you know, given all of what he sort of has, his game has matured, and how the ways in which he has taken the experiences that he's had and gone I mean for lack I mean he's gone to the lab I mean he's definitely perfected his craft he has he turned himself into a player I think that many of us if you had told us when he was a freshman hey this this kid's going to be a pretty a pretty decent three-point shooter a lot of folks would have like been like really Um, but I kind of feel like as you look back on the season one of the themes for me is that a lot of it went the way we sort of maybe expected it to go and yet, there were definitely aspects to it that did not play out that way. So, for example, I, I, I simply, when they lost to James Madison, it was clear to me that something needed to be done. And I genuinely did not think they were going to be able to do what they did um, and be able to sort of get back to playing Virginia basketball without making some you know, substantive changes. Now, the roster was limited, and so they didn't have a whole lot of... of uh, you know there wasn't a whole lot in the cupboard to to sort of make a new meal, right? But what I what I saw from them as the season wore on was they got tougher. I thought they were more physical. Um, certainly there were nights when they struggled to hit shots. Um, that was a that was a thing that plagued his team. But Jaden Gardner's improvement on the defensive end I thought was a key to them even being in position. You know that four where they went four games in a row. Um, you know the start of February they won five of, of six, you know, that loss at Notre Dame, the only blemish on the record coming out of that NC State loss in Raleigh. I mean, they they sort of righted the ship. And the fact that they were even, I mean, this is going to sound weird for a team that, that has won a national championship in recent seasons, but the fact that they righted the ship and got close to the bubble, I mean, it's kind of impressive in a way, because they really didn't have any business being there, if you think about it. I'm curious to get some thought. I mean, I think at this point we all accept that Virginia's got to win the ACC tournament in order to make the NCAAs. Ferber, are you, are you at all surprised that this team was able to play its way into a position to have a conversation about the bubble? Or as you look back on it, is that, is that still, is that still a, you know, a, you know, a moral victory that you just kind of shun?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. You know, like, if there was a moment where I was, like, at the point where I was, like, I don't want to say write them off because you still have games. Like, I'm not saying the games don't matter or anything like that. But, like, that NC State loss, I was, like, wow. Like, NC State is not good, and they just beat the crap out of this team. Um, and I was, like, this team, like, you're expect, like, when are they going to turn the corner? Like, we talked about that a lot. And I was, like, I don't know if the corner is getting turned. Like, I think this is who they are. And I still don't totally think that's wrong. I think that loss was sort of an aberration in a sense, because NC State just got really hot. Um, but still, I mean, like, they're not completely a different team now. Like, even the games that they've won, they're not, like, running people out of the gym, even bad teams. So, um, like, I don't I don't know that they've really, like, turned some corner. I do applaud them for continuing to play hard throughout the season, and that doesn't surprise me, though. Like, I never thought that they were going to stop trying or anything like that. Um I just didn't really see the pieces that were, I didn't see how you were going to be able to make a huge improvement. Um, Because like, if you can't shoot, you can't shoot. You don't like learn how to shoot. Um, So I didn't really see like how like the ceiling would really bump up. The answer was actually, they got a little better on the defensive end and then the mid range game, which is sort of an inefficient shot, but UVA's made a lot of them. Um, Especially one guy in particular. So, I mean, that kind of like kept them in a lot of games where like their three point percentage should, you know, says that they shouldn't be in them. Um, And then, you know, they timely had some good runs shooting, you know, against Miami and and likewise um, against other teams. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately like, again, this might sound kind of harsh. They played their way into like the bubble as of late February, but that doesn't mean anything.
0: (laughs) That's fair. That's very fair.
1: Like, when Selection Sunday comes around, it's like you're either – even if, like, if you're like, hey, man, they got really close and, like, didn't make it, it's like right now they're not really that close. So, I mean, they had the chance to get close, but they didn't get close. Um, If they had beaten Duke again, they would have been close. Um, And they could still end up getting – like, they could go on a run next week and get in, I guess. Like, I mean, who knows? Um, I wouldn't bet on it because this team's not deep and they'd have to win four games in a row um, probably, unless something weird happens tonight. Um, But – yeah I mean, ultimately and, and and again, this is this is something I kind of wanted to talk about in the off season, but like we talk a lot about what makes a like a what counts as like making someone a good coach, right? Mm. So okay, so like I'm gonna use this, and we don't have to get too deep on this now, but like, for example, Tony has taken rosters that are not as talented as some other ACC rosters and won more games. So if that's your definition of being a good coach, like he clearly is like out coaching a lot of people and there's no, I don't want people to misunderstand. Like there's no world in which Tony isn't one of the best coaches in the country, period, whoever is on his roster. Um, But like saying they have no business being like close, it's like, why? Like, I mean, if you're building something, you've been a one seat a bunch of years, you just won a national championship. Like, why aren't, why do you not have business being in that position? Um,
0: so let me, like, can can l- so that? like
1: last year, so like last year, Duke missed the tournament. Right. And like people made a lot of excuses for them, but like they missed it. So North Carolina the year before that, like you are let what me, you are.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me answer that question. Cause I think it's a good one and it's, and it's mm-hmm. a good place of discussion. So to me, it's just like recruiting, right? we can have a conversation about the way a team recruits and we can talk about strategy and offers and visits and all this stuff. And, but that, that roster building portion is like separate to me between like the on the field or on the court aspect. So when I say they didn't have any business, what I mean is this roster this season. Yeah. Your point, your point is, it sounds like, and you correct me if I'm wrong here. It sounds like you're taking a more overarching approach to coaching is not just what you do during the games in the season. Uh, that that end sometime, you know, March, April, whatever, right? you're tr- You're making the point that there's a lot more that goes into that. And so, yeah, what you do on the floor is one part of it, but then also getting the talent and being able to develop the talent to be able to make a good team is part of it too. And I'm certainly not arguing with that. I just mean that for this specific roster with this mix of talent, they frankly just didn't have any business being able to do yeah. as well as they did. Now, you can get in, we can get into... You know, trying to split the baby on the you know guys that left, guys that hadn't developed, what COVID did, what the roster should have been. You know, you can you can point to you know different guys on this team and say, hey, this specific guy should have been more. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot there to discuss. When I say that though, I'm specifically meaning like this specific roster. Yeah, but I, don't no, think I think that we're that, on the uh, same page. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that that absolves anybody from should the roster be better.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's like, um, I, I don't know that it's fair to hold, like, I think you can say that, like, if you're coach K and you're at Duke, you're going to be able to get a certain amount of players regardless. Right. So like, he doesn't necessarily have to like bust his ass to recruit. He might, like, I don't know what he does. Um, and there's some other questions to be answered there, I'm sure. But like, I'm not going to like hold that. Like when they're winning a bunch of games, I'm not going to be like, well, that's because they have all this talent. It's like, well, yeah, but like, how is like, you have the roster you have? Like, what's he supposed to do? Like make things harder on himself by taking Justin McGoy? Like, no offense to Justin (laughs) McGoy, but like,
0: you know,
1: he's not exactly playing in North Carolina either. And that was another thing. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, you could definitely make a case that like the transfer portal hurt this team. And I think the Murphy pro thing is the biggest thing that hurt this team. There's no, I'm not going to hold that against him because he didn't see that one coming. He didn't even know he was going to play last year. Right? right. But yeah, but like, if is this team better? This is a good question. Is this team better this year? If their roster is what they have with Marcel, Abdul and McCoy or what they have now.
0: All right, Damon, I want to pose you that question. I'm going to ask it in a slightly different way you can you can either have the whole roster as was and not have Gardner and Franklin. You can take Gardner and Franklin and Milicic. And right fair. For whatever yeah. that's worth. <laughs> um well I, I do think that's part of the conversation you can have about coaching and development and you know the decision was clearly made like we're going to go with these specific dudes and that's what they rode with. Um but I feel like there's also the part Damon where it's like if it, I feel like there's like a They could have withstood losing the dudes they lost if they had not also lost Trey. Yeah. They could have lost Trey and been probably okay with the dudes they lost, but they still would have had some some warts, right? The best case scenario is for them to basically lose the dudes they lost, keep Trey, and figure out a couple pieces. Maybe you add Jaden
1: Gardner and and then you have a team, yeah. Yeah, or if they had Jaden Gardner last year, they're probably a one seed.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> like, yeah. I've I've definitely had that conversation.
1: But, that was the one thing they couldn't do is like score around the rim and like mid range.
0: Yeah, Damon, I want to get back to you on this. What's your sort of takeaway, and where do you fall in this little conversation we're having about didn't have any business? I don't know how. Why did why did that become like the, the No? And I, I think it's a good.
1: <laughs> I think it's a good point because people I see this a lot, and I'm not I, like I don't have necessarily a hard opinion on like what you just said about like whether you look at like the coaching job as like working with what you have. Um, it's just a fair question because it's the same dude doing both things. So it's like, it's not like an NFL coach where it's like, I don't have control of the roster. I'd work with the guys I have, it's like you pick the players. <laughs> like. Um, but it's just an interesting kind of like thought process, but yeah, I'm not saying like Tony sucks or anything. It's just, um,
2: <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm just it, getting this vibe. Yeah. But, I mean, they are what they
1: are. I mean, like, they're – they're. I mean, and and that's not to say they're the only team that's had this issue, which is what I was just saying. Like, North Carolina and Duke recently missed NCAA tournaments, right? So, it's not like it's the UVA specific. Um, But sometimes you just pick a wrong – like, why was that Duke team not very good last year? Because they picked a bunch of dudes who were highly recruited guys, but they didn't fit together, and they weren't as good as they thought they were going to be. So, I mean, like, it's sometimes you just don't have the right dudes.
0: Damon, what do you think?
2: I'm still trying to work through the 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 notion of swapping out the guys who swapping <laughs> in the guys who left for the uh, for for Gardner and Franklin and and how that would all look and I mean obviously if you put Trey Murphy on on any college basketball team it's gonna it's gonna make that team a whole lot better um, so yeah not I to think, mention that's like
1: the one thing that they need is shooting right like <laughs>
2: that's that's the one thing that would have really helped this team he would have helped any team but he would have really helped this team. Um, but I'm just trying to think, I mean, I think, I think I, I don't know, unless you think that another year of development is going to help Justin McCoy and help Casey Morsell, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily see this team being better. If you swap out Gardner and Franklin for those two guys, and I don't know where Rahim would fit into all of that as well. Um, I don't know, maybe he gets some of Cody's minutes uh yeah probably i think that's that yeah um i mean i don't know
1: but you're you're replacing gardner with mccoy basically straight up and that's a huge
2: downgrade i Um, agree and and then i don't know Marcel and franklin's kind of a toss-up isn't it right
1: yeah they both have kind of the same problems too where they're just like inconsistent
2: like and like shooters who aren't necessarily making enough shots mm. like and like you said earlier your point about you know you've UVA has become kind of this mid-range team, Franklin and Gardner, the two guys where that has become, you know, they're the two mid-range guys. And I don't know more. Does Marcel maybe make a few more threes, Uh, do a few more threes win a few more games, but I still think that that doesn't uh, balance out swapping out um, Gardner for, for uh, McCoy. Um, I don't know. But then if you break it, if you take it a step further and then you swap out Abdurrahim for Statman or, you know, does Abdurrahim give you something that Statman has not given you enough of this year? And does that balance that out? But even then, that's kind of a zero sum game. Yeah. You know, and are you really that much better or are you just different?
1: I mean, I can tell you right now I'm looking at their stats like Casey Moore sells everything seven points a game on a terrible team. Justin McCoy doesn't play. And Abdul Rahim is playing on like one of the worst power five teams in the country, and I don't think he starts. That's like
2: one of UVA's worst wins of the year, which is Yeah, they have six,
1: they're six and twenty-four, and he plays eighteen minutes a game.
2: But let's say here what if you just what if you get keep those guys, but you still add Gardner and then you have McCoy Mm -hmm. coming off the bench. That's definitely fair. That's that's a pretty good lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess McCoy you can't look at it a, the way
1: I did, where it's like all or nothing. Yeah, because McCoy would have played
2: a whole lot here. McCoy would have played a whole lot more here than he has at Carolina this year. Mm-hmm. Um, how many, yeah, many for minutes sure. a game? Yeah, how many minutes? He's playing like
1: seven minutes a game or something.
2: No, I mean more. Sell at NC State. What is he?
1: Oh, it was a uh, twenty or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. like
2: he probably would be in that same.
1: He's like a sixth man, I think. There, yeah, I don't know, he's, he does start sometimes, but I don't think he starts all the time.
2: Did he, st- he started against UVA, didn't he? I think. He yeah. Did.
1: Yeah. But I think you might be able to figure that one out for yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, yes. Yeah, so yeah, he, he
1: plays 24 minutes a game and he's that's like sixth on the team or something like that.
2: Yeah. That so. I feel like Franklin and Morcell, like they're pretty, I don't know on the they're same interchangeable. Level. I'll yeah. give them
1: that. They're a little, I think Franklin's a little bouncier, but like Morcell might be a better defender. Um, but Yeah, I mean I think like if you look that's that's kind of my overarching point though is like it's not like their roster got roster that was like full of awesome players got decimated by transfers and then they replaced them with guys that were worse. <laughs> like if anything they improved the roster I think.
2: No, if this um, if that were like Except a trade, for Adoregene
1: which is sort of like a, you know, like a unknown, I guess.
2: If that um, were like a trade in the NBA, the the UVA probably got the best of it cuz they got the best player in Gardner. Mm.
0: So for the record, Justin McCoy has not started any Games. Oh no! Yeah, no. Yeah, he, no. Uh, he barely plays. He play. He, yeah, he's had one, two, three, four. F- the last five games of DNP. He had three others previously, um, and I mean, realistically, his best game of the season is what you know. Uh, he had a three like, against
1: UVA. I remember that
0: he scored <laughs> sixteen. Or excuse me, he scored. He had four points against Wake. Um. I mean.
1: I think that's, it just speaks to the overall thing. And I'm not like, they don't miss on everybody. Like Kihei Clark was a huge win for them. Like nobody, nobody was recruiting him. Um, But Statman, like he never developed into like a guy that like, you know, he he didn't like, and that's not, they tried, but I mean, like he is what he is. Like, and then like Cafaro, I think he's kind of the same. Like he is what he is and he can help you. It's just Um,
2: been this run of projects and that haven't truly panned out Like you even go back to like Badoki and mm-hmm. Marco I and think that's, a, that's a good
0: conversation for the offseason Because yeah. in a way You know if you look at this roster And you sort of and you sort of game it out From recruiting classes I mean K. A. Clark And, and I'm going to say this And I, I don't mean this in, as any disrespect But if you think about sort of Where these guys were Virginia has always had Sort of a feast or famine Sort of recruiting strategy Right They very rarely got these guys That were sort of run in the mill Now you could make an argument That you know uh, Marcel and McCoy Were sort of that way But realistically A lot of their guys Are either like Really highly You know Mm -hmm. Sought after touted dudes Like this current class Right Or they're guys That like most folks Have never heard of Mm Mm-hmm you know what I mean? Like that's, and that's just really random if you think about it. And it's, yeah, and it I think that's a strange. conversation, you know, for, you yeah, know, that's, we, we've talked about like, it
1: hasn't, now. it hasn't been as big of a thing recently, but we have had conversations in the past about like, man, this four-star dude, like hundred, you know, like a top 100 ish player is like, they're not really that they're like slow playing him. And then he ends up at like Villanova or, something. Um, or like, and I'm not saying that guy goes on to become like amazing, but you know, better than what you have maybe. Um, like, you know, some of those dudes that went to Providence, for example, like they were pretty good. Like, um, yeah, it's just an interesting kind of thing. And I think that's I've been saying I've been saying this for years. Like, if anything, they're like winning in the transfer portal. The transfer portal isn't hurting them. Um, like look at the team last year. Like they had Murphy and Hauser were like core of the team. If they didn't have those two dudes, what would they have done? Like, I don't know what their team would have been. Um so, I mean, it is what it is. Like they'll, they'll be back. Like their, their class coming in, nobody thinks that's bad. So like, I think we're going to be fine, but, um, you know, you get into these conversations about like, how did they get here? And it's like, well, you know, if you miss a bunch in recruiting, it does recruiting doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And if your if your projects don't become, don't like develop into good players that can help if- you, then. It is, you know,
2: you're going to be where you are, and it's a miracle almost that it. they are where they are. You, you don't know? have to hit on all of them either. It's just their batting average lately has not been what it. If you needs hit on half of them, the other dudes will yes. transfer, and you
1: can replace them. Like that's yes.
0: fine. So, so we've gone a considerable amount talking about nothing but basketball, um, which, hey, that's that's all cool in the game for somebody who 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 runs the show. Um, I guess. I, I mean, I kind of want to talk a little bit about sort of like the, not just the, I mean, they play, obviously they close the season with Louisville on Saturday at noon, uh, a game Kempon predicts them to win 63-61. We don't know their draw. Um, I guess we should talk a little bit about the sort of ACC tournament of it all. Um, they're going to have to go and win it in Brooklyn. Um, Notre, Notre Dame kind of
1: lost. They did.
0: Say that again? Notre Dame, Notre Dame lost, lost tonight. Wow. Well. yeah. Okay. So what does that, so what's that mean for the big picture? Somebody give me, give me the, the breaking news update. Ferber. So
1: that's kind of, I think if you want to be, um, if you want to just look at like how that helped UVA, the UVA is whenever Duke is probably going to be a useful tiebreaker. Um, so UVA is 11 and eight, right? Um, yes. They're tied with Virginia tech, Virginia tech plays Clemson on Saturday. I'm assuming they'll probably win that game, but you never know. Um Right now, they actually have UVA as the seventh seed on the bracket they just showed, but I think that's wrong because um, UVA would have the tiebreaker. Um, so, UVA is probably – I would say they're probably going to be the sixth seed. By the time you listen to this, these Miami and Wake Forest games that are currently being played will be over. Um, if Wake wins, then UVA can't get a double bye. If Miami wins, they can't get a double bye or the five seed. So, I think they're probably going to end up as the six. If they win at Louisville, if they lose, then it like what Tech does will ultimately determine whether they're the six or the seven. Um, so that puts you on the bottom half of the bracket, on the other side of Duke. Um, right now, the three seed I think would be Carolina, but Miami could pass them if Miami wins out. Uh, they played BC and Syracuse, and Duke loses to or Carolina loses to Duke on Saturday. Miami would be the three seed which would be good for UVA if they're the six, I think, because they've already beaten Miami twice. So you'd have to think they'd have some confidence going into that game. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much where they are right now. There's still some stuff to be sorted out, but UVA's position is pretty squared away at this point. They're going to be somewhere between probably six or seven, depending on what they do on Saturday. Um, And uh, yeah, like let the chips fall where they may. They'll probably – to get to the final, you're probably talking about having to go through like – uh, a team from the bottom six, so like a, maybe like a pit or somebody in the first day um, or Boston College, I don't know that that bottom five or six teams is gonna be kind of a cluster because they all have like six wins. Um, you get by that game and then you're probably looking at like Miami or Carolina in the quarterfinals. if you are fortunate enough to get by that game, then Notre Dame probably in the semis
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, before ultimately, I would assume Duke's gonna get there. Um, I think Duke wins the ACC tournament. Um, this year with K's final year. And they just, I think they're going to have a pretty good draw. The eight, nine game their their first game will be either Syracuse or Florida state. Um, and then they'll have probably like wake and North Carolina or wake and Miami as their four or five potential game. So um, it should be, it's going to be tough for UVA to win four in four days though. I think that's the biggest problem.
0: So, I mean, I mean, well, then there's the NIT and everything that comes after. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about bruno <laughs> um so i mean i guess let's 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 wrap up here tonight um once we when we get back together next week we will be previewing something in the a c c tournament We'll know the draw um you know like we 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 we'll we'll know all that um but in two weeks, i feel like you know, we'll probably be I mean, we're probably there's a pretty good likelihood we're gonna be talking about an NIT team. And I'm not really sure how I'm not really sure how to do that. Does anybody remember when they went in the IT last time? Did we did what did we did we talk about? I wasn't games? even on the
1: podcast then.
0: Oh, well there you go. I wasn't even
1: writing for the site then, I don't
0: But this this really underscores for me the place where I'm going, which is like this feels because of the recruiting class, because of the talent they have coming back. I mean, I think we all assume Kihei Clark is, is going to pursue his his life's mission. Um beyond college basketball um I think we assume that Jaden Gardner and Armand Franklin are going to be back um I think we assume you know there's obviously the chance for for transfers from other parts of the roster but by and large you know you get those two guys back you get Beekman back and you've got you know a nice group of recruits coming in who fit really well together um I'm excited about next season I'm excited to get to the offseason to talk about it but I, I guess there's just, there's just been this theme among Virginia fans all season long that this is a blip. I think everybody all along the way, in part because of the recruiting class, but everybody along the way was like, oh, this is just a blip. And I want to make sure that, it, and I guess I just wanted to have a conversation about do we think this is a blip? And I'm not trying to get into the ins and outs of what the roster will be like next year and stuff. I, I guess I, because I think that's off season content and you know we don't need to burn that candle right now. But I'm just curious because I've seen it a lot the last, you know, since the Florida State loss. Well, you know, this year, you know, it's just a, it was a blip. It was a a moment. Um, and I'm just curious if you guys feel that way. Or if you think that, you know, Virginia, while obviously capable of, you know, continuing to crank out really good teams, um, if you think you'll they'll be back really soon to the place where we're not talking, to, you know, about the bubble and we're back to talking about regions and seeds, yeah. Um, Damon, let's start with you. Do you think do you think this year was a blip? Do you see some um trouble uh, on the uh, on the horizon ahead? What's what's your what's
2: your vibe right now?
0: I think well,
2: I think we'll have a better answer to that uh in the weeks that come after the season when we see how basically if we see how the transfer portal impacts this team because it's it's a different world than it was even like three four or five years ago and you know this program was built on kind of that adage of get old stay old right. where guys would you know buy their time develop within the program uh then third fourth fifth year in some cases um you know that's when the, the development would show and you'd have those veteran guys who'd be the foundation and the anchors of of those teams and it's just a different world now with the way guys can jump in the portal and play right away somewhere else. And kind of that instant gratification. And so uh, that, that, that's probably going to require a little bit. And and that's been kind of the narrative lurking below the surface this year with how little guys like Murray and Milicic and McCorkle have played this year is, you know, are they going to transfer out? What's that going to mean? Blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I, I cause part of the reason, again, we, we we talked a whole lot earlier about, you know, recruiting uh, projects that didn't pan out and guys transferring out who didn't exactly pan out. Um, and, and so I don't know. It's it, it. I feel like it's really difficult to answer that now. And, and it's going to be kind of the same discussion this time next year, too. Who knows how much those guys who come in next year play right away as freshmen we all want to believe right now that those guys are going to come in at least a couple of them are going to come in and play right away and make an instant impact but we we know how it works in this program so it's 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 that's that at least i think that's difficult to answer right now i think that'd be an easier thing to answer because it's just a different it's just a different animal now and And how Tony approaches that, how the coaching staff approaches it, how the adjustment they make, we still don't know the complete answer to that um, given how things are different now. So, I mean, on paper, it looks like it very well could be a blip, especially if that class comes in next year and contributes right away. And like you were talking about kind of the the nucleus that it looks like they have coming back all does come back um, and Beekman takes another step. Gardner's back for another year, Franklin, even Shedrick and Caparo. If those guys take another step in their development, that team next year has that much stronger of a foundation. So I think on paper, it very much looks like this has the potential to be just a blip on the radar and, and things kind of revert back to kind of what we all expect, but I don't know. It's just things are still so new and uncertain now, and, and, and there are still adjustments to be made and, so I don't know. I guess we'll kind of see. What about you, Verber? What do you think?
1: I agree. I think um, if I was a betting man, I would I would put a lot of chips on. It's a blip. <laughs> um, I think as long as Tony Bennett's your coach, I don't think I don't. I'm not worried about like they're gonna all of a sudden be bad, um, <laughs> or like or like this is the new normal. I don't even think that. Um, I think they're gonna be okay you know, their recruiting class is an indication that he's still able to go out and get good players. So yeah, for sure. um, Yeah. So I'm not too worried about that either. Um, and I think UVA, like I've said before, is sort of like a, it's a destination in the portal. I mean, I know they had some guys leave, but a lot of those guys just weren't playing that much. Like, I think that's, that's inevitable. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens this year, but if you can keep the guys intact, you know, you mentioned, I think pretty much like a, a big core of the roster. Um, You know, like you would think like with Kihei leaving, like who's going to play point guard, but they have a guy ready, you know, Um, and I think they'll be okay there. I think they need to add some shooting um, outside of the freshmen that are coming in, because as Damon said, and I've been kind of thinking this for a while now, I think a lot of people are on the, you know, this year kind of sucks, but like wait till next year or like, you know, next year, everything goes back to the way it was. I don't think so. I don't think yeah. you necessarily are looking at like a one seed type team next year because Tony's so hesitant to play guys when they're not ready and committed on the defensive end. Um, I think it's going to be a learning curve. You'll probably have some of those dudes come in and play like big minutes right away. And then some won't. Um, and and they'll have to develop, but I think it'll be sort of like the 2017 team, which was a really young team um, comparative to other ones anyway. Like, you know, you had a, a senior in London Perrantes, but then everybody else is, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, redshirting, young Diakite, still developing Devin Hall, you know, like guys like that. So I think it'll be that kind of a team um, next year and and hopefully better on the offensive end. And I think Gardner and, and Franklin, hopefully Franklin can figure it out because I think he's got the tools. It just he just is inconsistent with his shooting. Um I think they'll be okay next year. They'll be better. Um And maybe if they add like an impact transfer somewhere in addition to what they have in the, in the recruiting class, I think they could be pretty good. And then I think if you look like shooter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you can add like a two that that can like really impact the game or maybe a three or something, I think you could really, this team could really take a step forward. Um, And I think it's a pretty easy sell, you know, if you're out there on the recruiting trail, but um, I also think like, looking two, three, four years ahead, I think I'm pretty optimistic about this recruiting class's impact long-term, even if maybe next year they're not like you know, a one seed. Um, But I think eventually they will get back to that level. Um, It's just going to take a little bit of time.
0: Yeah. Well, I think in the offseason, we're going to have a conversation about sort of Virginia's recruiting strategy and certainly the idea of the way the transfer portal has, and I think it must sort of change what teams like Virginia, like Villanova have done um, simply because you know, It might not necessarily work as well Now we might get two or three years in the road And and, it, and we and it's a different thing But we'll, we will have we have lots of time to discuss that I think this is a good place uh, to put a pin in it For tonight If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website Thank you very much for giving us a listen If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast Or wherever it is that you get your shows And if you're so inclined to give us a rating review um, That helps to get us out in front of more people And we appreciate that Now if you're somebody who found the pod has not given us a look at the website You can check us out at CavsCorner.com See right now, Damon's got a good st- a good story up on um, Laura Kid from uh, twenty twenty three over at Woodbury Forest. Um, I-, I feel like we do we know his coach. I feel like we know his coach. Um, he's
2: a good guy. That he's, a good
0: has- guy that's- he's a good guy. That he's a good guy. He's a good. He's a good egg. Um, I-, I like to think that Jackson listens to the podcast and just got the you know most ridiculous. Well, air I, I air heard last
1: week that some coaches listen and then hang up. And and we apparently we'll start, start talking. about up. I guess you would just stop listening. You don't hang <laughs> up. I'll take my answer off the air. I take Thanks. my
0: answer off the air. I hang up to listen. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> um, he's obviously this is the base that baseball club, Woo. uh like a hot knife through butter, man. um And nobody listen. Nobody in the business does baseball like does UVA baseball like Damon does. So,
2: so what um, were
1: Cornell's guys throwing like? 80.
2: <laughs> no, Cornell had some guys who could throw hard. And uh, suddenly they, they we've been derailed. <laughs> yeah. We could talk about this another time.
0: <laughs> don't worry. We're we have we have we have lots of time for Damon to uh to tell us how all of the ins and outs. Um but honestly, the Geloff kid is like in such a groove right now, like I kinda I kinda don't want anybody to like I don't know, he needs to be in a bubble, right? We need we need to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. I just want cause I mean Leading the country in slugging percentage And batting average is something um, I digress Alright, um, let's see We got we got some football recruiting stuff uh, I thought it was cool that Damon took the 2J uh, podcast Hey, did, Ferber, did you know we did a podcast with 2J last week?
1: I listened to it, was pretty good oh,
0: Yeah, good job uh, And then a, a cool story on, on um, Wolfolk And pulling double duty as a, a pitcher and a quarterback So give all of those links a look Keep it locked to the website Over what should and be Dante an interesting Dante Wilkins coming up tomorrow Oh yeah, there you go. A little tease for—that's what we call me. I'm excited about
2: that one. He was awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm excited for to see you know where all of it goes for him. Um, I, I yeah, want to thank the folks of MyPerfectFranchise.net for their support of the show and of the website. Um, visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. Um, I just realized we never told folks where Dave was. Uh, Dave was just busy with stuff. He's fine. Um. He no, he you know what he did? He did the Tuesday podcast and walked off a of god. That's what he did. Um, <laughs> he's, he's never gonna come back. Uh, but no Dave will be back. He's um, like, we don't have a guest, I'm not interested. He, don't, he we don't have one of the assistant coaches and come on the show. Screw that. All right. And again, I wanna thank everybody out there for supporting the show. I wanna thank uh in this case, Ferber and Damon for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So for Justin Furber and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of Catscorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.